We're going to turn to Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. If not, we got a cheat sheet right here. We have a screen that we'll help you with. And we're looking at uh, Luke 5. And while you're turning there, I just wanted to say a couple things. I'm not our lead pastor. Uh, I'm our number two guy. And our, our pastor, pastors Eugene and Laura are actually, this is pretty cool, but they're preaching today in the Northwest at a church that they co-founded 25 years ago. And so what a cool thing that they have the opportunity to come back. And if you've ever started a business, if you've ever launched a cause, to see it continue after you leave and then to be able to come back, it's just so cool. So I'm sure he'll put some stuff on Facebook, blow his Facebook up, tell him how much you love him. That would be, he would, he would just get a kick out of, out of that today. And so we're here in Luke 5. Hey, if you're checking out Jesus, if you're checking out Christianity or spiritual life, I just want to tell you just a couple things about our church. We're a Christian church. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so, and, and also, so we just, we feel like as a community, we have a good news. We have a good message that we want everybody to know in our community, and that is that you can be saved from your sin by belief in Jesus. And so also, just want to let you just know another thing. Um, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God to us. And so if you're checking us out, you'll never hear us ever have a talk that's not grounded in Scripture because we don't just need what Oprah thinks or what Dr. Phil thinks. We want to hear what God has to say. And so um, so I just want to say just a couple things. So so there's 66 books in the Bible. We're looking in the book of Luke. This is actually one of the gospels, and this is Luke's record of Jesus's life. And so uh, for many of us, we're followers of Jesus. So we're looking to scripture for discernment, for direction, for God's word to us today. And so that's why we're here. And we're looking at this great story. And so I want to read it to you. If you have it in your Bible, you can read along. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the, mis- for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down one more time. God, I had given up on this. We had called it for the night, yet that's the exact thing that you're asking me to do one more time. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Verse six, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. (laughs) A shout for help brought their their partners in the other boat. And soon, not only was Simon's boat full of fish, but both of them were on the verge of sinking. And so they're shouting, they can't believe it. And the Bible says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, you're not just a man, you're God. And he says this, he says, please leave me because I, I am not, I'm sinful. I can't, we can't be in the same place. And then verse nine, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, Simon. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Isn't that beautiful? All right, God bless you guys. Have a good day. That was just awesome. <laughs> I just, it's just beautiful, his, this story. 
And I, I want to just take just a moment, and I want to title this talk, First Time Obedience. First Time Obedience. I'll let you know we're going from there, but can I pray for us? And I want to just take a moment and pray for every small group that's here and launching today. In fact, if you're a small group leader, would you lift up your hand? You've chosen to lead a small group. Can we give them a hand for stepping out? And Gosh. What I heard, I, I, know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that you get better looking if you lead a small group. Like I, I, That's what I heard. So I don't know. I'm not sure, all that stuff. But every small group leader, honestly, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for, for creating a space for people to have spiritual conversations. Thank you so much. We're not about small groups. We're about finding freedom. And we feel like that best happens in relationships with other people. And you guys are making that happen. I'm so proud of you. Can we pray for these groups today? Well, Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that, God, we even have an opportunity to hear from you. And so, Lord, I just pray that every word that I'm, I'm speaking, God, that it would not be for me. It would really be from you today. And I pray over every group leader that's here, that's stepping out. I pray that their groups would be full. I pray that they would have lots of fun. I pray that there would be great community that's built, that people would, would um, grow with one another. And Lord, we just pray that you would have your way in this room, in Jesus' name. And somebody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have kids? That's why you're in church, ain't it? You need help, don't you? Come on. Me too. Uh, I, I, got, I got two kids, my wife and I, Natalie. In fact, I want to put a picture up. I wasn't going to give you a good photo because that's not real life. Come on. I had to give you at least one that, you know, is just not quite. Actually, that was the best photo we got, Natalie, right? I think that was it. That was it. So we're going to hang that on our wall. And this, so this is me, obviously. Um, that's my wife, Natalie. And this is Karis. She's three years old. She's a bundle of joy. And then, did you hear sarcasm in that or what? What was that? What was the deal? And then this is Ethan. He's five. So uh, in fact, actually speaking of small groups, my wife and I decided to do a parenting small group last semester. And our whole thinking was, we don't know what we're doing. And so we just figured, let's get around other parents that don't know what they're doing either. And we may not learn anything, but at least we can hug each other. You know what I'm saying? Like... At least we can get some food out of it. That's kind of how we felt. And by the way, the small group is full because we're all trying to figure it out. And so well, my wife and I, were on a journey. And so um, we're on a, on a parenting journey. And so we are, we are, we got this idea that we are, we are committed to first time obedience. Some of y'all are like, that's a novel idea. See how that one goes for you. First time obedience. If you don't know what that is, that would mean that when you discipline, you don't count to three. You don't do three strikes, you're out. You don't count to 10. They listen the first time or there's consequence. Like that's the idea. And the whole point of it is that if your son or daughter is the ball goes towards the road and they start running towards the road and there's a car that's coming, you don't have time to count to three. You don't have time to count to 10. They got to learn the first time. If there's a boiling pot that's on the stove and it's hot, that you don't have time to count to three. You can't do three strikes, you're out. They got to learn the first time. And this is a strategy that's primarily focused on younger children between the ages of like three to seven. So get this, Natalie and I, man, we read the books. I mean, I feel like I could do a conference on first time obedience. You know what I'm saying? Like we read the books, we got strategy, we got chore charts. I mean, we got the whole thing. You know, man, we're working it. The only problem is my five-year-old hasn't read the book. 
In fact, not only do I, I don't think he's read the book, I think he's, I think he's read other books. And I'm convinced that he's writing his own book. And he's going to sell it on Amazon. And it's geared for three to seven-year-olds. And here's what I think the cover might look like. Multi-step obedience. A guide to driving your parents crazy written by Ethan Wolf. Don't let your kids read it. In fact, I even think that he's got some chapters that he's written out. That's what I think. You want to hear them? You know what they are? Okay, well, good. You might as well enjoy it because I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, I think chapter number one would be titled, Don't Respond When Called Upon. So he gives a great outline and background on how to do that efficiently for your three to seven-year-old if they read it. Second chapter is this, negotiate everything. Come on. I mean, he's got, he's cited like CIA stuff. I mean, he's like got negotiation skills I've never seen. Oh man, this, I feel better actually just by, by just pouring this out. Ethan, put the towel on the rack. If I put the towel on the rack, I'll get M&Ms. If you, if you don't put the towel, on the, if you put the towel on the rack, you'll live. Come on, am I in the right room? You'll survive tonight. You should put the towel back on the route. Okay, no, chapter number three. Distract at all time. Just keep distracting. In fact, actually, I don't know if, you're, if you have multiple kids, but my five and three-year-old, like, it's a whole strategy. I think he actually brought Karis into the writing of this chapter. They kind of go back and forth as authors. They're working it together. When Ethan does this, I key, I, that's my cue to do this. Come on, am I, you know what I'm saying? Distracted at all times. And then number four is basically, if you're going to obey, just do it partially, right? Like if the towel's supposed to go back on the rack, just kind of get it over in the natural vicinity and then just beeline, keep going what you're doing. Come on, any, any parents can relate with that. Now, obviously, you, you probably know where I'm going with this, but if we don't watch it, this is how our relationship with Jesus can look like. That God has a plan. He's got a strategy. In fact, I even think he's got a book. Yet we're authoring our own book, our own, and we title it Multi-Step Obedience, you know? Obey partially, negotiate everything. And I think that God has something to say to us. And I want you to know there's a blessing in obedience. And so we're going to look, we're going to reread Luke chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, you can pull it back out. We'll pick up at verse three. And, 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 and when you first read this, this, this chapter, this section of scripture, I think the thing that stands out is the miracle, right? I mean, at my first glance is, I mean, the, 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 the most astounding part of it is this, he had nothing, nothing was working and Jesus miraculously gave him this fish, all these fish. But I want us to look at this scripture through the lens of obedience. And let's look at it in a way where we could ask our own self how we are doing in our own obedience with God and with Jesus. And so Jesus is preaching, the crowds are pressing in on him, and he's got to reposition his pulpit because he needs to speak to more people. And so he looks at Simon and he asks him a question. 
He says, Simon, would you push your boat out into the water? Now, I just want to stop just for a moment and let's just unpack this scripture. What does the boat represent to Simon? It's his livelihood. This is his provision. This is how he feeds his family. Not only is it his livelihood, I would even go further to say it's where he finds his identity. Can you be a fisherman with no fisher boat? And it is clear in this community that he is not just Simon, he's Simon the fisherman. That's who he is. That's how the community knows him. That boat is a symbol of who he is. And just get this picture. He's anchored who he is. He's anchored his position where he wants it to be on the side of the Sea of Galilee, anchored into a spot. Yet Jesus is saying, I know that you put it over here, but I would like you to put it over here. And might I even just ask you a question? What does the boat represent to you? What are the things that you've anchored where you want them to be? And Jesus is here today speaking to you saying, hey, go put it out into the water. Maybe our time, our relationships, our finances, our calendars, our to-do lists. And I don't think there's anything wrong with putting it where you wanted to put it. I get that. We need to do the best with what we've got. And I totally get that. But could Jesus be calling you to put it somewhere else. In fact, I, and I want to encourage every person in here that's taking steps of obedience, because I'm telling you, your steps of obedience are increasing your relationship with Jesus. And many of you in the room, you know what Jesus, you know what Simon did here? Peter, as simple as it is, Jesus says, hey, move your boats into the water. You know what he said? Okay. Wasn't complicated. He didn't negotiate it. He just said, Sure. And I want to encourage some people in this room because some are in this room and you know what? You keep growing with God because it's just simple to you. You just say, okay. Hey, you want to go to church today? Sure, I'll go. Step of obedience. Hey, you want to get in a small group today? There's candy outside, it's free. Yeah, I'll go. Hey, did you make a decision to follow Jesus? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. Well, your next step is to get baptized. Okay, right? Hey, if you're going to follow Jesus, we return a tenth of our income to his house to do his mission. All right. And some of you, it's been as simple as that. And I, want to t- I just want to affirm you today. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the value of simple first-time obedience. And I want to encourage you today because some of you, you're thinking about stopping that. You're thinking about giving in. You're thinking about moving in a different direction. I just want to say, keep the path. Keep just saying yes. Keep taking that next step. Don't give up. Keep going in that right direction. And so verse three and four, look at what it says. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, okay, now go where it's deeper, Simon, And let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, I want to just take just a moment and recognize a couple things for all the Bible scholars here. The first conversation, the first step of obedience was a question that Jesus asked him. 
This step of obedience was a directive that Jesus told him to follow. Isn't that very similar to our spiritual journey in God? He invites us in to a relationship with him. Nobody's forcing you to come to church today. Nobody's forcing you to follow Jesus today. You can do what you want to today. And Jesus is here. The revelation would say he's standing at a door. He's knocking and he's patiently waiting for you. And he's inviting you into relationship with him. And some of you have said yes, but it's not just to say yes so that you can continue to do whatever you want to do. At some point, it turns from Jesus asking you into invitation to follow him to following his direction. So I want to talk to every follower of Jesus in the room because some of us, let me just ask this. If you're a follower of Jesus, all right, like me, let me ask you a question. Is God speaking to you? He is, all right? Maybe it's not always clear, but he is, okay? Here's my question. How many times does it take you to do it? First time, third time, 10th time. Some of us are just in unrepentant sin. You just, you know, God's calling you to do something. You just kept saying no, kept saying no, kept negotiating to the point where you're not even interested anymore. What is God calling you to do? And if we don't watch it, we can write our own book. And just like Ethan, man, we, we negotiate it, we distract it, we put it off. And so some of you today, this is what you might be saying. God, I know that you're calling me to let down some nets, but popular culture would say, we don't do that anymore. I know, I know that you're wanting me to let down some nets, but Netflix documentaries suggest. I didn't expect to get a lot of shouts today, by the way. It's okay. I don't need them. I, I, God, I know that you're asking me to let down some nets, but haven't you seen how many re-shares of that post, of that Facebook comment? That's got to be true. Come on, don't even deny it. God, I know that you're suggesting this, but have you researched this? Come on. Have we, have we looked into the peer-reviewed journals from EBSCO scholarly research? I mean, I, I, God, I know that you're asking me to let down these nets, but I think you need to rethink it. You know, this is exactly what happened in the book of Genesis. God said, go and eat, but don't eat of this one tree. And what did Satan say to them? He didn't command them anything. He asked them a question. He said, did God really say that? And there are things in our culture, in our society that God has said is this way. And if we don't watch it, we will, we will, we will hear the lies of the enemy that are saying, did he really mean that? Is that really sin? Is that really the thing that's supposed to be there? Is that really, is that quite, I don't, have we researched it enough? Because science would say that it's actually beneficial if blah, 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 blah. Come on, don't, if we don't watch it, we negotiate ourselves right out of God's direction. And look at what, what Simon says. Master, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But he said five words that will change your life. He said, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down one more time. Can I preach to somebody today? 
Because I, I, just, I just feel like God is speaking to us today and he's saying, you know what? You're here today and I just wish that somebody would say, God, I know that Netflix says this. I know that social media says this. I know that as I sit in my graduate school university and it says this. I know that the professor that's got three million likes is saying this. I know that this other person says this. I know that my neighbor says this. But if you say so... God, if you say so, I'll say yes. What would it look like if we were a people not so swayed by things that are not God's word? And that the first time we're saying, God, if you said it, I believe it. I'm in. Verse six, look at what happens. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. The, st- the structure, the infrastructure that these fishermen had for what they thought they could get was torn apart by God's overabundant provision in their lives. Verse 7, a shout for help. Could you imagine? They didn't catch a thing the night before. I mean, hashtag boats overflowing, social media post, Insta story, throw it on Facebook. God filled my boat. I mean, they're just so excited, right? And soon it wasn't just them. You know, your steps of obedience don't only fill your boat. They can fill other people's boats. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. I love this. And look what it goes on to say. So when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Get this. They're shouting. They're high-fiving. They can't believe the boat. We, the boat was probably about 26 feet wide or long, not, not any bigger than this stage right here, rocking back and forth out in that sea, full of fish, almost sinking. And I, I, I feel like as you read this story, there's no way that you don't see it in the sense of there's a loud shout and all of a sudden Peter locks eyes with now not just any man and he realizes this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the one that everybody's been prophesying about. This is the answer. This is the only person that can take away the sins of humanity. Because look at how he responds. He says, Lord, please leave me. It's the same response that Isaiah had. God, woe to me. I'm undone. I can't be like this. He says, I'm such a sinful man, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others that were with him. Go ahead, go to the next. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were all so amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid today. Listen, he was saying, Simon, my holiness is not to keep you apart. My divinity is not to distance you. In fact, my holiness and my divinity is to bring you close. So so don't be afraid because from now on, listen, he redeemed his skills. Some of you have tech skills. Some of you have leadership skills. Some of you have managing skills. Some of you have vocal skills. Some of you have, have the skills of hugging people. Some of you got, you, you got strategy. Can I tell you that God wants to redeem it for his glory? He says, you were good at fishing. Well, guess what? You're going to do the same thing in the kingdom, except it's going to not just be here on the earth, but it's going to be an eternal reward. And he says, as soon as they landed, they left everything. And now Simon started to follow Jesus. Up until this point, he had not decided to follow Jesus. It wasn't until his eyes were opened, which I got asked this question. 
What do you think is the greatest miracle? Is it their boats filling or Simon realizing that Jesus is God? Hundred times over, it is Simon realizing. Am I right? Now listen, I hope, you're, I hope you have more money than you know what to do with. Like, I, I hope that your boats are overflowing. Let's pray for it. I'm all, I, like, I'm, I have no problem with that because we don't serve money. We don't worship money. My prayer for you is that you would experience what Simon experienced, that you would have a moment where Jesus would not just be a man anymore, but he would be God. Amen. He would be God. Can I ask you another question? Did Simon ask for this miracle? Isn't that interesting? He didn't even want this. I mean, he didn't, he didn't plead with Jesus to get any of this stuff. This was God's plan for him, was this abundance of fish. And then it, which might just, we, I think we should ask the question, maybe we would see more miracles in our lives if we focused more on first-time obedience than asking for the miracle. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask for the miracle. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask God for, I mean, the scripture clear, he's a good dad. We just sang about it. We see it in scripture, but it should not over, it should not trump our, our obedience to the father. Because if he is a good God, we don't need to be weaseling him out of our next blessing. If we just simply trust, if we simply obey, he's gonna give us what we need not what we want. Man, that's so good. I can't even contain it. I'm preaching so good. I should run around this room and just take my shoes off. And You don't have to tell me that. I just feel that way. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, this is for everybody in the room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all right? What is God saying to you? You're here today. What is God saying to you? And I want to show you a passage in scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is geared, Paul's talking to a spiritual leader, Timothy, and he's telling him how to properly preach the word of God. And he gives him three ways that we should be speaking the word of God. All right. Now, I believe God speaks way more ways than this, but I want to give you three ways in this one verse, how God might be speaking to you today, because I think we can learn something. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently doing three things. Correcting, rebuking, and encouraging your people with good teaching. As God is speaking to you today, he's probably doing one of these three things. And for some of you, when you are hearing from God, all you focus on are the rebukes. I had a couple of people after first service, they said, Pastor Gordon, you're so right. I'm always looking for the rebukes. And can I tell you, God might be trying to encourage you today. He might, he, you don't need another rebuke. You need a hug. You need a, that a girl, that a boy. And can I tell you, that is a good dad. God is a good dad. He's not up there with a javelin. That's not, that's not him. And so for some of us, man, we need to be encouraged. Other of us, we need to be rebuked. And all you want to focus on is the encouragement. God, what do you want to tell me that I'm great about today? You know, you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you're like, man, I look better than I did yesterday. Right? Okay. Right? And there, but there's, there may be some things in your life where God's speaking to you and he's saying, son, stop it. Get that out of your life. 
Like, like today, get rid of it. I know it's painful. Get it out of your life. It's not going to help you. For other of you, God's correcting you. He's teaching you. He's steering you. So listen, whatever God's telling you to do, do it. Just do it. Not the third time, not the fifth time. And I want to give you some organizational steps that all of us, I feel like God is wanting us to do at our church. I believe that God's calling all of us to find freedom by joining a small group. Like I said, we're not about small groups, we're about you finding freedom. And maybe you're here and you've made a decision to follow Jesus or not. Can I tell you that God took the Israelites out of Egypt, but they still had Egypt still in them. So there's a process of knowing God and then finding freedom. And that best happens in relationships, having spiritual conversations. Second thing that that you could do today that maybe God's calling you to is to discover your purpose by attending Growth Track. How many of y'all done Growth Track? Hey, come on now. Look around. Like I said, you just look better every time you take a step. (laughs) Number three, maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Go public with your faith. Let everybody know that Jesus is Lord in your life by getting water baptized. And the fourth one, organizational step, is make a difference by serving on the dream team. Go hug a, go hold a baby. Go get on a camera. Go serve on our dream team. Come take over Serve Saturday and go go work with some of our nonprofits. Give whatever the thing might be. And I, not only do I think God's speaking to us organizationally, I believe He's speaking to you personally. In fact, I, as I was praying, I wrote down some things that God might be saying to some of you. Can I read them? Good. I'm going to read them anyway. For some of you, God is speaking to you and he's saying, come to me. I don't know who that's for, but you've been running from him and he's saying, come to me. God simply wants to wrap his arms around you today. He's not trying to correct you. He's not, he just wants to love on you. Come to him. Don't negotiate it. Don't do multi-step process. Receive his love for you. Some of you, God's telling you to go forgive. Stop distracting Stop trying to weasel your way out of it. Go do it. Go forgive and be set free. For some of you, God's calling you to pursue that dream. I don't know who that's for. Pursue it. You've negotiated your way right out of it. And I don't know whether it's an orphanage, it's a clinic. Maybe maybe God's laid it on your heart that you're going to pay off this building. I don't know what the thing might be, but whatever that thing is, pursue it. Some of you, God's calling you to start to lead. He's looking at you today saying, hey, you got leadership on you. Let's go. Start leading a small group. Start leading a team. Start coaching somebody. For some of you, God's calling you to start to give. Give of your finances. Give of your resource. Give of your time. Give of your talent to God. Some of you, God's calling you to filter your Netflix. Hey, come on. Man, that, like, that, that hit me. Can I just tell you, it's one thing to preach this. It's a whole other thing to have to live it the last three weeks as God's been dealing with me. There's areas in my life where God just spoke to me. And he said, Glenn, stop focusing on the stuff in the boat. Start seeing what Simon did. Son, you need to obey the first time. Yes, sir. I'm in. Let's go. Um, some of you today, I feel like God's telling you to slow down. You're doing too much. Last time I checked, you don't, rule the world. It'll, it'll go without you. And you need to take a Sabbath. You need to rest. It's not healthy for you. It's an act of worship to God. If that's for you, receive it. Some of you, God's telling you to take care of your body. Stop negotiating it. Stop getting out of it. Just do, you know, do it. Some of you, God's telling you to tell somebody the good news. 
we just, if we don't watch it, listen to me, if we don't watch it, we negotiate and then we negotiate and then we negotiate and we compromise and we compromise and we compromise and we compromise until the point where I think we got to ask the question, who's following who? Are you following Jesus or is Jesus following you? Because if Jesus says, hey, go do this, and you say, no, nah, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'll do it partially. And then God says this, and I don't, I, I, uh, peer-reviewed journals say this, and God says, stand up for this, and I don't know, man, Facebook and this, and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, we just gotta ask the question, who's following who? And I want you to know today, there's a blessing in obedience. There just, there is, there is a blessing on your life when you are right with God, there's a blessing on your life when you simply obey, when you're not rationalizing it. I'm telling you, I believe God wants to fill your boats with fish, but even beyond all that, I pray that we open our, our eyes are open to his goodness. And I want to show you some scripture here. I just want to show you a couple different, I want to show you two Old Testament passages. I want to show you a, a scripture in the gospels. And I want to show you a New Testament passage of obedience. I probably could have come up with 400 verses in the Bible about obedience. Like, I just want you to know, this isn't just like a one-time thing. This is a recurring idea that we would follow Jesus and follow his direction. Genesis 22, 18 says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Parents, we receive that one, don't we? Come on, we received that one. Your obedience is going to pave the way for your kids. And some of you, man, there's steps that God's calling you to, and you don't even want to do it, but you're looking at your babies going, I want a better world for them. So God, I'm in. God, I'm in. I'm going to do this thing because I, I, I received this word. Go ahead, let's keep going. Go to the next one. Exodus 19.5 says, Now if you will obey me, keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. You're a treasure to God. From among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. Look at Luke. Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. They don't negotiate it. They don't figure it out. They simply obey what God is calling them to. Let me give you one more in James. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're not hurting God. Like God isn't any less divine because of your obedience or not. He's not any less powerful or creative or magnificent because you obey or you don't. It only hurts you. He's saying, listen, you're only fooling yourself for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I don't know about you guys, but I want to live my life listening the first time. I just, I want my marriage to be a marriage where my wife comes home and says, God spoke to us to do this. We don't rationalize our way out of it. I want, I, I don't know about you, but I think we want to be a community of people where when God tells us to move, we move. When God tells us to stay, we stay. When God tells us to serve, we serve. When God tells us to sacrifice, whatever he says, we just say, God, I don't care what culture says. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I, I can't, I can't, I don't know what every other church in our community is doing, but as for us, come on, we're going to serve God. We're going to listen the first time. We're going to follow him, follow his direction in every way. Let me ask you a question. What would it look like if we did this?
Like what would your marriage look like if you and your spouse simply obeyed the first time? What would your family dynamic look like? What would your neighborhood look like? What would your school system look like if our school system simply said, God, where you say we're gonna go. And even though I don't understand all of it, if you said so, then I'm gonna say yes.